So today we're going to talk about what are you living for. Uh, the main verse I'm going to I'm going to start with and end with is is Philippians chapter one verse twenty one, and it's for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But let me pray first. Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for bringing those here today that that they may open their hearts and their minds to your word, Lord. And when they leave here, continue to seek you. Lord, I just ask that you bless me with your presence. Lord, get me out of the way. Lord, speak through me the message you want them to hear. Lord, and I ask that you touch their hearts in a way that they feel your presence and honor you and and share that love with others. I ask these things in your name. Amen. So I'm going to define live. And then I'm going to define living for, because they're two different things. So to live is just to exist, your presence, that's you, your being, being alive, having breath, breathing, you're alive. To be living for is to think that someone or something is so important that they are your main reason for living. So I'm going to start off with an illustration, and the illustration kind of puts into, um, oh, wow, uh, it gives us a reference of really what we're doing in our lives every day. So this illustration is from the Abington Press, um, uh, written by Leonard Griffin, and it's called This is Living. So a young man came to W.E. Gladstone when he was the prime minister of England, and he said to him, I would appreciate talking with you about my future plans. And he told Mr. Gladstone, I would love to study law. Gladstone replied, then what? I would like to gain entrance to the bar of England. Then what? I would like to have a place in Parliament in the House of Lords. Then what? I would like to do great things for England. Then what? I would like to retire and take life easy. And at this point... Gladstone tenaciously replied, then what? I suppose I will die. Gladstone says, yes, young man, then what? And the young man replied, I never thought further than that, sir. And to that, Gladstone looked sternly and steadily at the young man and said, young man, you're a fool. Go home and think life through. And I think that is something that we do. We, we have life plans. We, we have goals that we grow up and we decide what we're going to do in life. And to that I ask, what are we living for? What is your purpose? Because if your purpose is wrong, your direction will be wrong. Um, and I can clearly tell you what your purpose is. Uh, it's Matthew Chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." That's it. That's what we're called to do. That is our purpose in life. But I'm going to read a little bit more 
because there's, there's more to it than just that. But if we just do that, then we're doing what God has asked us to do. But in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it reads, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're supposed to preach or seek those that are lost, share the gospel with them, and, and, and pray that they make a change in their lives and seek God. And when they do so, that's where this comes in. We're to praise Him. And we're to praise Him every day, whether it's good or bad. We're to give Him glory, whether we're going through struggles or whether we're living with joy. And I wanted to read the, the study notes on, on this specific verse because it, it, if you, you'd have to go back to uh, verse 4, but I'm not going to read verse 4. I'm just going to stick with uh, verse 9. But it says, Jesus is called the living stone. I'm sure everybody's heard him, that reference to Christ. He is the cornerstone. We've heard that. But what we also don't hear is he is the rejected stone and the stone to stumble over. And Peter taught his readers that they are God's valuable possession, but like, Jesus's believer, like Jesus, believers will be rejected by men. So we're going to stumble. We are going to be rejected. But we have to push forward knowing that and have joy in that. Eternity has to be taken into account so whether your life is short or long, you should live in a way that your purpose is fulfilled. Does that make sense? If you don't have a purpose, Matthew, if you died today, would you be okay with that? No, why? You don't know what your purpose is, right? And a lot of people, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that you can go to and, and be excited about dying. Paul was one of those people that was excited to die because he knew when he died, his purpose was going to be fulfilled. But there was a point where he was in prison and he wasn't ready to die because he knew that the people still needed him to lead them and bring the message to them, that his purpose was not finished. But he would have been okay with dying. That's kind of what the, the to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live, we are like Christ and we are pursuing Christ and sharing Christ with others. But when we die, it's going to be so much better because we're with the person we're working for. So my question is, when do we start thinking about our purpose? And this, is, this was uh, a revelation to me as I was preparing for this because I knew what I was going to be preaching on weeks ago. And when I sat down to prepare this message, initially it was going to be... Um, Man, I just had a brain fart, sorry. <laughs> uh, to live, to learn, and to let go. It was going to be on those three things. But as I sat down to prepare this message, God was like, no, no, no. I just want you to focus on living. And that other stuff will fall into place. You can, it's another message way down the road. But to, you need to teach them to live, to find their purpose. So what do we do as parents, as family, and friends to our little children as they're growing up, what do we ask them? What's the first thing we ask them when they start talking to you? What do you want to be when you grow up? So, and I do that. I did that. It's, 
Um, I can remember, and I can't remember if it was Jordan or Camden, but every day the trash, well, every Friday when the trash truck came, was it Jordan? Would run to the kitchen and open the blinds and just watch the trash get picked up. And it was just the joy of her day, the joy of her week. And when you would ask her what she wanted to be when she grew up, I want to be a trash truck driver. And last night as I was finishing up, wrapping up this message, and I was, I was thinking, she wants to be a trash truck driver. But aren't we all trash truck drivers? We get so much trash delivered to us weekly, daily sometimes, and we just hold on to that trash. So we are the truck, and we never take it to the dump. We never let go. So that's kind of a revelation I saw, thought last night was, we're all trash truck drivers, but who do we give that trash to? Um, so it's cute, the, the responses. Some kids say they want to be police officers. Some want to be firemen. Uh, my older kids want to be doctors and nurses and gynecologists and stay-at-home moms. Well, kid doctors, that's what they say, kid doctors. Sorry. Rescind the gynecologist. <laughs> and we tell them that you can be whatever you want to do, be if you work hard enough. And that's not inaccurate, but at what point are we teaching them about the gospel? At what point do we mention, I want you to grow up and love God and serve God, and if it's His will, you will be a doctor. If it's His will, you're going to be a police officer, whatever His will is. We don't get to that point until, you know... Our kids growing up, we've had people ask them, when, when are you going to baptize your children? Or when are you, you know, are, are your children saved? And that was a difficult question for me because they've grown up and they've seen us and how we serve and what we do and how we love Christ. But at what point do they understand it? And that's the point that I struggled with. They could spit out scripture to me and they could explain it slightly but in our class this morning, Chandler, uh, in our study, was saying, I cannot control my child's soul. I can teach them everything that I, I know and, and what I want them to, to feel and understand, but we can't control the soul. So we just teach them what we can while we have them and hope that God has planted that seed and is going to guide and direct them. So, but we need to start that even when they're in the womb, let them listen to music, read the Bible with them, guide and direct them. And again, if it's God's will, they're going to be what He wants them to be, the doctor or the, the trash truck driver or a janitor or wherever God places them. As long as we know that's His will, that's where we're supposed to be. And we need to start early. So, Proverbs 22.6 reads, just a moment, 22.6, train your child in the way we sh he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. He, she, it, our children, if we train them in the way of the Scripture, the way God wants us to, they won't turn away from it. Now, that doesn't mean 
they're guaranteed to, to stay in church and be a Christian their whole lives. When they get to the point where they can choose, they're going to choose one way or the other. We just have to pray that God blesses them with that Holy Spirit and the desire to serve Him. But we can go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. And Moses was speaking about training up our children. Um, verse 7. Impress them, impress them on your children. And in this scripture, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. But we can reference this as scripture as a whole. Um, and that's how I'm using it, is scripture as a whole, not just the Ten Commandments. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We always need to be teaching our children the Scripture and being examples of what it is and said. And I could list 10 or 12 more verses that talk about training our children and what in life, we're, we're more concerned with our own well-being and what we're working for and what our focus is. And we forget that our kids are watching us every day. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Every one of the, you have an impact on their lives and need to, to move that to the forefront of your mind that you're working for something that you set goals on, but your overall goal should be on getting to heaven and instilling those uh, things in your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So how do we achieve living for Christ? There's three things I'm going to discuss. We're gonna, we need to pray. We need to know Christ in order to live like Him. Excuse me. And you have to love with your total being. So we're going to start with prayer. Excuse me. We need to pray for divine power. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like working the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So we're praying that we have the same thing that God instilled in Christ, that divine power, so that we know it's not just us. God has our back in everything we do. And then we need to pray for words. So Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 4 says, And I pray for us, too, that God may open the door of our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. So it's important that we pray in every situation that we deal with, in every situation that we're in, as we go into our jobs, into the communities, into our homes, that we pray for clarity, because we need to be able to speak what God wants us to speak, and the answers are right here. And as long as we're training up in the Bible and reading the Bible, we can answer those things clearly. So it's a two-part two thing. We pray for the guidance, we pray for clarity, and we 
for sure better be in the Bible reading and understanding and being able to use this when, when we're asked to use it. Third, we need to spread the gospel and be delivered. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brothers, I pray for us that the message of the Lord may be spread rapidly and be honored just as it is it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. So this one is, as we're, we're spreading the gospel, we're, we're going and sharing the good news with people, that we don't get caught up in the wickedness of the world. Because we all know that the world is not a great place right now, and it's not going to get any better. But we don't want to get caught up in it. So as we're praying to go into the the world and share the gospel with our friends, our family, those around us in our neighborhoods, we, we need to also pray for protection of our hearts and our minds that we don't get caught up in the worldly things as we do it. You have to know Christ in order to live like Him. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And it reads, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. This verse is asking that we struggle that we go through the struggles just like Christ did, so that we suffer like Christ did, so that we're able to speak to others who are going through different situations and understand what they're going through. And everybody's not going to struggle. Everybody's not going to suffer. But God will put you in those situations because He knows where you're going to be in the future and what His plans for you are. And those sufferings, those circumstances, those tribulations, those times of joy, those times of fear, those times of whatever He is putting us in those situations for a reason, because we are going to be an example to others that have gone through the same thing or are going to be going through those same things. So we are put through those things so that we can help others get through them also. And you can't know how to help someone with suffering and struggles if you haven't gone through it. I mean, you can be, you can pray for them if you haven't gone through it. That's good. You can, you can hold their hands and, and, and go through that pain with them if you haven't gone through it. But there's that one person that they're going to go seek or that's going to find them that has gone through it and can feel the same pain and help them understand how they got out of it. Then you have to love with your total being. So Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And we hear that, I'm sure a lot of people have that memorized, but have you gone deep into that verse and, and broke it down and looked for the true meaning behind it? So when you talk about heart, we talk about affections, a feeling of liking or caring, a tender attachment. So when you think of your heart, think of those really strong relationships that, ships that you have with your family, your, your, your wives, your children, your brothers, your sisters, 
and those relationships might not be that strong, but there are, there's somebody out there that you have a relationship with that is just unbreakable. So that is the heart that we need to love God with, and in loving God, we're going to love others the same way. We have to love completely our soul, our spirit, our inner being. So hopefully you know Christ, and Christ is that soul. Christ is that spirit inside of you that's working through you. Your mind is your intelligence, the ability to learn and to understand. You're going to come across situations that you need to be able to absorb and, and learn from so that you can teach in the future from. And then our strength is our will, the power to control, the power of control over one's actions. So we need to love with our affections, our, love, our spirit, our intelligence, our will. And the, we have one example of that in the Bible, and that was Jesus. God sent His only Son, and then Jesus lived a perfect life. And nobody's ever going to do it again, but He is our example, and that's what it looks like. He lived out what he's asking us to do now. And then he made the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. He showed sacrificial love. And when we talk about loving with your total being, that is what he's asked us to do. Are you willing to go into the world and sacrifice your life for your wife, your kids, your neighbors, those in your community, because that is really what we're being asked to do, is we're at being asked to sacrifice ourselves, to put ourselves, our life on the line, to spread the good news, and to bring them to the Lord, and love them so much that we're willing to die for them. And that's what I put. Like Jesus, we are called to, to sacrificial love, to laying down our lives for others, especially those in our homes and in our communities. Are you willing to live for Christ, to sacrifice everything and live how we were called to live? And again, I'm going to reference Paul again. Paul was. Paul spent a good chunk of his life in prison, but that's where most of his writings came from. While he was sitting in that cell, he could have been complaining and placing blame on people for why he was there, but he didn't. He took those opportunities, number one, to share the gospel with those that he was in prison with. And number two, to write the Gospels that are in the Bible today. And he was joyful in those situations. He loved those situations because God put him there so that he could share the good news. And he didn't complain about it. He was ready to die for Christ because he knew when he died, his life was going to be fulfilled and he was going to heaven which is going to be so much better than anything we can ever experience on earth. He knew what he was living for. And to come back to Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He lived a life, the second half of his life, for Christ. The first half of his life, he was murdering Christians. He was present-day ISIS. And then God took a hold of him and he ran towards Christ the rest of his life. Let's pray. 
Dear God, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for the message that you, that you brought, Lord. I just ask that people are able to, to take this message in their hearts, to seek you, and to step back and look at what goals they've made in their lives. And Lord, if it was your will and they're achieving those goals, Lord, let them praise you. Lord, if they, they look back at their life and they, they haven't included you in it and, and they're not seeking you and they're not helping their family see you and teach your love to those around them, Lord, I just ask that you put it upon their hearts to rethink what their purpose is, Lord. Help them to find your love, Lord, and just feel it and want to share it and seek others and, and, and share that love with them. Lord, just guide each one here that we may seek you and only you and that our life is an example of that. I see things in your name. Amen.